I remember the day in junior high when I went to my dad and said, Dad, I, I want to play football. I dreamed of playing wide receiver, sprinting past the defense, catching the ball over my shoulder, tiptoeing into the end zone. But my dad pulled out the no needle and burst my dream bubble. He said, no, son, you can't play football. They'll snap you like a twig. I wanted to protest, show him how strong I was, how wrong he was, but he was right. I couldn't show off my muscles because I couldn't find them. I was little, weak, slow, clumsy, but aside from that, I was a perfect fit for football. But Dad and Coach did concede and let me stand on the sidelines right there on Friday nights amidst all the shiny silver helmets and bright scarlet jerseys because I was the hydration engineer for the junior high team. I was the water boy. I was the guy all the other guys laughed at, but the timeouts were my time to shine. I went to work running onto the field carrying enough water to fuel a camel dealership. I don't remember much about those games that season, but on every play, there were always 11 of our guys versus 11 of their guys. If a crafty coach tried to sneak a 12th man on the field, the ref blew the whistle, threw the flag, and gave us five yards because it wasn't fair for 11 to take on 12. I never saw a coach send out less guys to take on more. That's not fair. But that's exactly what Elijah did. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to 850 to 1 on Simplify. A divided Israel was reeling from the nation of Israel, nation of Judah split years earlier. Now a new king was sitting on Israel's throne, King Ahab, and a new prophet was speaking for God to Israel, Elijah. King Ahab lived a hundred furlongs away from righteous, and Elijah was not afraid to confront the king. Ahab already worshipped one god named Baal and one goddess named Asherah. They believed Baal controlled the rain. But Elijah and a few thousand others worshipped Jehovah. Israel was as divided as the Grand Canyon. In one dry day in the middle of a drought, Elijah challenged 850 prophets to a fight. The rules were simple. The Baal and Asherah worshippers would call on their god or goddess, and Elijah would call on his god, Jehovah. And whoever answered by sending fire, he was God. Elijah hoped to settle this fight of faith once and for all. He climbed up Mount Carmel and took a seat on the visitor's bench all by his lonesome. He looked across the field as the home team filed out of their charter jets in their brand new matching uniforms and filled up the home team's bench. 450 of them wore Baal jerseys. 400 of them wore Asherah jerseys. Baal and Asherah were different gods. In fact, one was a god, one was a goddess. Both of them were made with man's hands, but they were not the same god. It would be like saying Ohio and Ohio State are the same team. Well, that's blasphemy. But Baal didn't care if you worshipped Asherah, and Asherah didn't care if you worshipped Baal, because both of them were gods made with human hands. But Jehovah is altogether different. Jehovah is a jealous God. He will have no gods beside him, because there is no God beside him, or above him, or like him. He alone is God, and there is none else. He's not made with human hands. His hands made humanity. 
That's all Elijah knew and all he needed to know. While seated atop the summit of Mount Carmel, Elijah understood 850 to 1 is not a fair fight because God is the majority all by himself. Then Elijah took a step that took an ocean full of faith. He let the other teams go first. This was sudden death. Whoever scored first won. And Elijah was facing off against 850 all-star first-string prophets. But he didn't even play rock, papyrus, scissors to see who would go first. He told the prophets, Go ahead. You boys go first. This is going to be fun. You put a sacrifice on the altar and do what you do best. And when the day is done and you're all done and your sacrifice is still room temperature, it will be my turn. I'll put a sacrifice on the altar. I'll do what I do best. And the God who answers by fire, he alone will be God. Some in the stands must have been nervous for Elijah. How nerve-wracking for some of these few Elijah fans thinking one of these 850 was going to get it right and Elijah was going to lose because surely 850 learned, educated, popular, paid prophets. They can't all be wrong, can they? The prophets took the field first. They began early in the morning to dance around their altar and call on the name of their God. But Baal wasn't picking up the phone. They kept calling, but he wasn't answering. Around lunchtime, they were getting hangry. They leaped upon their altar, hoping their desperation would get their God's attention, but he still didn't answer. And Elijah couldn't keep from grinning. He started talking trash. Hey, fellas, is there some kind of problem? Maybe maybe your God is too busy to listen to you, or, or maybe he's talking to somebody else and he doesn't want to be bothered by you, or maybe he's on vacation, or maybe he's asleep and you need to cry a little louder so you can wake him up. They ran back into their locker room and they came back out with knives and swords and cut themselves until their blood ran like water. But even after they bled for their God... Their God didn't even whisper, didn't send fire, not even a firefly. It was getting dark. The sun was casting long shadows onto Mount Carmel, and Elijah knew he was racing sunset. He stood up from his visitor's bench and clapped his hands a few times. All right, boys, all right. If you've cried and bled long enough, I believe that'll do. Nice try. You've had all day. And 450 disappointed, disillusioned, bleeding prophets of Baal, gave up and sat down. Now it was Elijah's turn. When he took the field, he first repaired the old altar of the Lord that was broken down, because Elijah knew an old altar would get God's attention. He barked out orders. Okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Pour four barrels of water on that sacrifice. The servants looked at each other, shrugged their shoulders, and said, Whatever you say, boss. They poured four barrels of water on the sacrifice. Then Elijah barked out again, four more barrels. The fans in the stands couldn't believe their bloodshot eyes as they watched the servants pour four more barrels of water onto the ground during a drought. The servants said, Late, look, Rev, we're still in a drought, remember? Water's pretty pricey. We need this to live. Nevertheless, they poured four more barrels. Okay, four more barrels barrels. That's 12 barrels of water in the middle of a drought when water was precious and pricey. It didn't make any sense. 
They're trying to set a sacrifice on fire. Why soak it with water? Elijah, listen. There is no way you will ever set a soaked sacrifice on fire. And Elijah smiled. You're right. I won't. He will. Hey, let me sneak a preach real quick. It's not our job to send the fire. It's our job to bring people where the fire is falling. It's God's job to send the fire. We often worry about bringing friends to church or telling them about Jesus. But what if they don't like church? Or what if they don't get healed? And what if they don't get filled? And what if we pray and nothing happens? We worry so much that we can't bring the fire. But that's not our job. And it wasn't Elijah's either. He didn't bring a couple of sticks and a flint rock just in case prayer didn't work. There was no plan B. If God doesn't send fire, there is no fire. And Israel still won't really know who is God. Daylight was running away from Elijah. Elijah called on the name of Jehovah. He prayed a paragraph and the fire of the Lord fell from heaven, burned up the sacrifice and shot back the water in the trench. It was settled. Jehovah was God. Not Baal, not Asherah, or not any other God by any other name. Only Jehovah. The nation of Israel bowed down and worshipped, crying out, Jehovah, he is God. Jehovah, he is God. Interesting, that's what Elijah's name means. My God is Jehovah. Elijah already knew it. Israel was just catching up. Elijah was on top of the world, on top of Mount Carmel. He suddenly signaled for the servants on his side to arrest the prophets of Baal, and he executed all of them at the base of the mountain. All of them. Once Israel repented of all their idolatry, God opened up the heavens and poured rain on their thirsty land. After three years of dust and drought, the heavens opened a thousand hydrants and showed Israel that Jehovah, not Baal, not Asherah, not any other god or any other goddess by any other name, commands the rain, only Jehovah. King Ahab raised the rain all the way home and told his wife Jezebel what happened at Mount Carmel, and she was livid. Elijah killed all of her paid prophets. She sent a letter to Elijah that read, Hear the word of Jezebel. So let the gods do to me and more also, if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow. Have a nice day. It's your last. Jezebel. A simple, what did you do that for, would have been enough. Now, we would expect our hero to write back, Dear Darla. Oh, sorry, wrong story. Dear Jezebel. There we go, that's the right story. Wish you were here. Missed you. Fire just fell from heaven to prove to Israel and your late paid prophets that there is no God but Jehovah. So let's do this. Meet me at the top of Mount Carmel. You build an altar and call on your gods. I build an altar and call on the one true God and the God who answers by fire. He is God. Have a nice day. It will be your last. Elijah. Boy, that would have made for a great ending. But Elijah ran for his life from one woman's death threat. It's interesting to me that he stood up to 850 prophets, but one woman's death threat sent him running. He ended up in a cave all alone, and the Lord asked him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah answered between sobs, God, your kids are wrecking everything. They've forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to take me out. God, I'm the only Jehovah worshiper I know. I've been standing alone for a long time, and I don't think I can stand much longer. 
And the Lord told Elijah, get out of this cave and go stand on that mountain. When he did, God sent a wind, an earthquake, fire, then a still small voice. And the Lord asked him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah ripped off his rehearsed script. That's when God broke the good news. Elijah, I have 7,000 men in Israel. You don't know their names, but I do. And they've never bowed their knees to Baal. They are still standing. You're not alone, Elijah. And neither are you. I don't know your name or where you're listening from, but God does. Maybe you listen to this podcast in secret so your family or your government won't know. You may be the only Jesus name baptized, spirit-filled, spirit-led apostolic standing in your family, in your neighborhood, in your village, in your school, in your company. Keep standing. You're not alone. Millions of the world over are still standing. But even if you were the only one standing for Jesus, you'll still find out what Elijah and a whole gallery of heroes of faith in the scripture found out when they felt like they were all alone. God stands with those who stand for him. I want to pray for every Elijah out there. All of you who are standing and you feel like you're standing alone. You're not surrounded by people in your church family because maybe where you are, you can't have a church family because where you are, it's illegal. So I want to pray for you that the Lord would help you to give you the faith to still stand. And for those who are persecuted and ridiculed and mocked, that you would stand. God will stand with you and you will see that he alone is God. Lord Jesus, I love you. You are forever faithful. You have never left, never forsaken any one of your children. When they stand for you, you stand with them. I pray today for those especially experiencing persecution, for those who are being ridiculed or threatened or mocked for their faith. Give them the strength, the courage to stand. Show yourself strong on their behalf, I pray. When people wonder who is the real God, whom should I worship, whom should I call, I pray, God, let all of those who are standing point unashamedly, unabashedly to you and show this world you are the only God and you're the only one worth standing for. I pray this today, and I thank you for this story to give us hope and faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Simplify listeners. I pray this episode's been a blessing to you, and I pray that God will give you all the strength and courage and faith you need to still stand. You're among those Simplify listeners who you just helped us cross the milestone marker of 175,000 downloads. Thank you so very much. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, notify, share, let others know about the podcast. And in case you're wondering, no, I didn't preach anywhere. (laughs) Yes, I probably have a cold. So that's what this whole Barry White voice thing is all about. Personally, I kind of like it, but (laughs) there's that. Also, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. Got a few books I'd love for you to check out and maybe even make good Christmas gifts for you. A book I wrote called Ten Words about the Ten Commandments, Blessed Are about the Beatitudes, and then the devotional, the first book that launched the podcast Simplify. That's all at PentecostalPublishing.com. And if you use promo code Simplify, you can save 10% off your entire order the first time you use that promo code. 
Perhaps you've heard a couple of other podcasts I'm a part of. One is God's Word for Life, which is a wonderful discipleship podcast, companion podcast to the God's Word for Life curriculum. That's a wonderful podcast. You can find that on all your podcast platforms. Also, I have a podcast with my dear friend, Lieutenant Andy Burns, and it is called The Preacher and the Policeman. And it is the gospel with current events, and we try to add a heaping helping of humor. You can also find that. Then there's the second newest podcast, which is called The Formed Podcast, and it's all about training teachers in the local church, teachers of youth, children, and adults. You can find that. And then there's the newest podcast I just launched with my dear friend Darren Sargent. It is called The Lloyd and Leroy Show, a podcast about nothing that might lead to something, but probably not. And that's also available on your podcast platforms. I hope you enjoy all of them. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas season. Next week, I want to share with you an episode as we continue the story called Elisha. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplified.